the happy ending of impending blindness of Billy Scott is you are an artist. I think her girlfriend tells her this. You are an artist, not because of your sight, right? You will always be an artist. You will find another way to express yourself. But again, to your, I think where you're going was it's only at the center of the earth kind of interrogates and, and scratches deeper at the darker itch, the darker urging of well, well I can't. I think there's sort of a confession that in It's Lonely at the Center of the Earth that what happens in Billy Scott is really kind of wish fulfillment. It is very much a fantasy. Human connection isn't enough to stave off depression like it seemed to do in, in Billy Scott. This week on Quarantine Comics, it's all about I. I? I think you mean me. No, I'm talking about the letter I, Ramen, for this week's comics by indie graphic novelist Zoe Thorogood. Wait, so you mean the letter Z? No, no, no. This week, we're getting inside Zoe Thorogood's head, which is definitely a mixed blessing. Well, she is immensely insightful and talented, but wrestles with an incredible depression, which really left an impression. Ah, yes, I, I see what you did there, Roman. Very good. I'm Roman Segel. And I'm Ryan Joe. And while Zoe Thorogood is in her early 20s and created three graphic novels during the pandemic, we are but middle-aged men who created a podcast that no one listens to. Ouch! The truth hurts. Indeed it does. Okay, this week, as we march down the alphabet, we're reading two books that begin with I, and both are by Thorogood. The Impending Blindness of Billy Scott from 2020, a fictional tale about a young artist who wants to paint a series of portraits before she inevitably goes blind. That's the graphic novel that really put Thorogood on the map. And we'll also discuss her follow-up autobiography from 2022, It's Lonely at the Center of the Earth, where Thorogood describes a particularly dark time in her life, which happened after the success of Billy Scott. Zoe Thorogood is super young, only in her early 20s, and she has been a dynamo since she burst onto the comic scene around 2019, when people really start to take notice of her online. Besides Billy Scott and Center of the Earth, the two graphic novels that she both wrote and drew, she's also the illustrator for 2022's Rain by Joe Hill, a love story set during an apocalypse. So basically the usual super lighthearted escapist stuff that we're known to cover on this podcast. So, Ramen, we're reading two books. Which one did you read first? And... What was your initial impression? And then did your ch impression change when you read her second book? So as usual, when, when we do double features, I try to read them in chronological publishing order because I want to kind of get in the head of the author. And, uh, you know, the premise of in The Impending Blindness of Billy Scott is about an artist going blind. And the first thing I noticed, <laughs> this is how much how I felt old, was I can't read this. Like, literally, I could not read it because the writing was so small. And I had to do the Chuck Schumer <laughs> where I pulled my glasses out and held it far away from and held the book at a certain distance to literally be able to read it. And I wasn't sure if I was being trolled by Zoe <laughs> or like trying to understand what it's like going blind. So that's the first thing I have to say. <laughs> wow. I don't know if you noticed like how fucking small the print was in the impending blindness of Billy Scott. I, I, you know, I read it on my iPad. Maybe the print edition is small, but I was okay reading it on the iPad. When you read the book, it's her feeling a countdown. She's given weeks to know how much longer she's got. 
And she's not necessarily planning for her life after. She's coming to grips with, I'm an artist who just made it. What is my life going to be like after? And the lesson learned that you can still be an artist, right? So it was right. it was powerful. Now, the execution of the story, you know, it, it was cool. as She tries to find the people, find her people, seeing the art. I mean... I'm I'm such a fan of when it's like a writer and a, a writer and an artist doing the storytelling because they're more in control of everything. So yeah, I I really enjoyed the ride minus the the super tiny print. But what what about you? How'd you find the first one? Yeah, so you know when or did I, you read them in this order? Because you yeah, asked I, I, I read I read them in that order. When I read the first book, I liked the idea of this artist having this timeline before she basically loses her identity because her identity is as an artist. When we meet Billy. She has locked herself in the room. She doesn't really interact with anybody. All she does is focus on her art. And now she's suddenly at risk of losing that. And that creates just this great dramatic situation where the clock is ticking down. And when it does tick down, it's the end of her existence as she knows it. Um, so I really liked that aspect of it. I'm going to edit that. Oh my God. I thought it was mute. I thought it was muted while I was blowing my head. No. No, that was that was right into the microphone. <laughs> Ramen. Going back on mute. <laughs> Maybe I'll leave that in. That, um, that, that should be that should be the opening of the episode. <laughs> oh yes, that'll be the opening song. We'll just stretch it out. Anyway. But I also felt Billy Scott was and this is actually kind of addressed, interestingly enough, in It's Lonely at the Center of the Earth. You know, it was is a little bit idealistic to the point of it being unrealistic. I felt like a very young artist, which obviously it is. Zoe Thorogood was, what, about 20 when she wrote that? So it makes sense that it feels like the first book of somebody who's very young, albeit very talented. Like the art is phenomenal. Immaculate, even. Immaculate, indeed. But, I, you know, I, I, I felt like the overall story arc, you know, Billy isn't really much of a character. She's more of a cipher where, you know, your own personality and thoughts are kind of put through through Billy. The people who surround Billy are really more of the characters. And Billy is sort of like the witness, almost like she's a character in a video game where you kind of go and you meet all of these, you know, where he has no personality and you kind of fill in the personality and you just kind of, that's a little bit unfair, actually. Billy does have a personality. It's just she's yeah, no, she she has her own journey, but you're you're walking with her the whole. But time. You, yeah, and yeah, it, but everybody else pops way more than Billy. Things just kind of happen to Billy. I guess you know what it is. It's not that she has no personality because I think that's wrong. It's that she's very, you know, even though she's kind of on this journey and she chooses to go on this journey, she's kind of passive. You know, things just sort of happen to her, and it's really the people around her who are the most vivid characters and they're the ones who really in a way kind of drive the action and, and billy just sort of reacts to it and so i felt like her i mean journey... I, I push back a little bit on that yeah. because things do happen to her and well, those do propel her but but it's like she is robbed she right yeah, yeah, but she's propelling herself through it, or she's to your well, point, maybe she's allowing things to happen. But you're watching how she reacts to these. things. Yeah, that, but that that's actually my point, though. Things happen to her, and she just kind of reacts to it. She's a very passive character, and I felt like, in in a way, that sort of undermined the urgency because initially she's like, "I need to get out there. I need to get over by agoraphobia and just get out there, interact with people, and you know, get get these portraits done." And that's sort of, and so that's kind of the most drive we see of her 
for the rest of the of the book and from then on out she's a little bit like okay you know she just kind of interacts with people she meets people kind of randomly up until maybe the very end when she organizes that concert for her for her friend but but i felt like by and large she was a little bit too passive to be to be interesting i was like a little bit i was more interested in the people in her periphery in a way I think the other thing, I mean, maybe it's because there's already, she sets out on a mission and that's her choice throughout the book, but everything kind of works out. Like there's, there. I mean, the, the yeah. final frame and it's fine. It's a very happy ending of everyone kind of in the coffee shop, so to speak. Right. But the stakes are absolutely high. Yeah. But maybe it's because it's written and drawn by a 20 year old that it's extreme. It's an extremely optimistic book. And maybe that's what, you know, either that's what we love about the youth, you know, people in their 20s, their unabashed optimism in the face of everything going to shit in the world. And in this case, something very personal going to shit for a person. Is this a, is this book like an anthem for whatever Gen Z or whatever the Gen Alpha or whoever the 20 year olds are today? I don't know, but it's decidedly optimistic. Unlike some of the darker shit that we read. And it's, that's what makes it a really interesting companion piece to the other book that we read. Well, oh, it's, it's optimistic to the point of being unrealistic. And I think Thorogood kind of realizes that and acknowledges that in oh. her second book. Because, you know, oh. how does it end? It ends with, okay, she does go blind. But, you know, she makes a lot of friends along the way. She organizes this concert. She falls in love. And she's heralded as this great artist even though she is blind. And so it's definitely the sort of wish fulfillment thing. And, you know, Billy kind of heals herself through human connection, which is literally a, a concept that Thoroughgood brings up in her next novel, It's Lonely at the Center of the Earth. Like she, there's a line where she says a lot of art deals with depression and says the secret to really kind of getting over it is human connection. And she even acknowledges that that Billy is sort of like, the idealized version of herself, the version that she wants to become. And reading It's Lonely at the Center of the Earth almost felt like a repudiation of some of the concepts that she threw out uh, in Billy. It's almost sort of like, okay, this is the world I want. This is what I'm trying. It's, this is what I'm striving for and trying to understand. But, you know, later on she realized, okay, it's not, it's not honest. The whole idea of just working through your depression by connecting with other people, that doesn't work. And so a lot of the things that happen in Billy, it's sort of like she wishes that would that that that's the way it could be, but it it actually isn't. You know, her depression is a lot more complex and a lot more difficult to deal with and to to live with. And their bookends. And that that's what's so ironic probably isn't the right word, but like the first book is like her please please me. If, if I can like cite the Beatles, super happy, super optimistic, everything is awesome. And it's lonely at the center of the earth is this kind of realistic farewell, borderline farewell, because she is suicidal and she has depression looming over her shoulder in the form of like a really creepy ghost. And it's her Abbey Road or her, her let it be, right? And I almost wonder what's left. <laughs> like what other stories can she tell? Because she's literally done the bookends of, of oh, this gosh. entire opus. Well, I, I I think she has a lot to say and a lot to tell, especially as she gets older. I you know, so I, I was kind of like meh. But she got she got the front and the end out of the out of the way, in my opinion. Well, like, I think there's a lot to be said, but 
it's they're here's what I say they're polar opposites these two books yeah yeah they are they are you know I was, so I was kind of meh with Billy Scott like okay I acknowledge that there's incredible talent behind it but it doesn't quite work it feels like the work of a, a very young writer who's still kind of figuring things out figuring out how to tell a story figuring out how to build drama figuring and then I read suddenly at the center of the earth and that actually made me appreciate Billy Scott more not so much as a finished product but a very very important aspect of her journey as an artist is lonely at the center of the earth is essentially like portrait of the artist as a young woman both books as companions almost as sort of like a single tale and so that it really kind of changed the way i saw billy scott like the issues i had with billy scott they're still there but i understand them a little bit better because it's lonely at the center of the earth places them into a very interesting context of what zoe thorogood was going through at the time and what she was trying to work through and how she was trying to work through it through her first graphic novel. By contrast, though, like it's only at the center of the earth is like virtuosic and incredibly raw in terms of the emotion that it brings up. It just feels incredibly honest. It's like she's having a very frank conversation with us, her audience, and she well, it's does a play it play by play. It's a live journal. Yeah, yeah. I just love the way she throws in all of these different art forms. She throws in photography. Some pages are literally like collages, right? Where she mixes black and white inks, black and white photos, color shots, all of that sort of stuff. It's it's just an amazing... Char- characters are depicted as animals, not yeah. unlike, what's it, fuck, the, the Green Witch book, right? With those characters, Moog, the owl, and all those Yeah, things. yeah, Meg, Mog, and yeah, Owl. Yeah, like Meg, like Meg, Mog, and Owl, but different versions of herself right uh, text messages it's all over the place yeah she goes through i mean like she has a realistic version of herself she has kind of a young sort of anime version of herself she has blank smiley face version of herself and depression ghost living over her shoulder and it all kind of like creates a, a very different vibe and it speaks to the complexity of what she's going through and how her moods are constantly shifting and how how disruptive it must be to to live that way and to have your mentality kind of always shifting and never feeling like you're on on solid ground. Billy Scott was like an interesting first step, but it's lonely at the center of the earth. It was brilliant. Yeah, and it's it's really it's not just a live journal. It's com- in conversation with the creator, so it's not the kind of simple meta breaking the third wall sort of thing. It's literally in conversation with you. Here's what I'm going through. She interacts with fans. She interacts with love interests. She interacts with her best friends. And she really lets you inside of her head yeah. on how she's crossing. She, I mean, she literally hits the reset button on the book. Right. Through it. <laughs> right. It, it gets a do-over. I think that's the other thing, though. It's a book about depression, about her own depression. You are stuck in her head. And that could actually feel really depressing. But it doesn't feel depressing. I feel like she's communicating all of the weird trauma that she's going through mentally but at the same time it's a very vivacious book it's a very lively book and a large part of that has to do with the different ways she represents herself and the different modes of storytelling that she uses to tell the story of her depression the way she kind of goes back in time and she'll talk about something that happened in her childhood the other thing is that tonally it shifts sometimes it's really funny sometimes it's really sad and sometimes it's really scary one of the scenes that really struck me is when Zoe is a young girl and she goes to the head teacher to ask about five girls who just vanished, never appeared in school again. And she has this 
splash page where the headmaster is drawn like literally like the like the devil. Well, not like the devil, like this like this <laughs> demon. And the yeah. word balloon is is red. The headmaster says, "Oh Zoe, your teenage girls. Statistically, it's going to happen. Now, are you going to head back to class, or am I going to have to phone your parents again?" And it's just such a horrifying moment. And Zoe Thorogood is just so good at capturing the horror that she felt and the callousness with which that woman smiled and told her that her friends had killed themselves. The range of emotion communicated in this book is is so wide. I just literally texted you a picture <laughs> of like arguably one of the most hilarious moments in the book where she kind of takes the piss out of herself, literally, about all the critical acclaim that she's been getting, right? The, the only words on this page where a smirk is on her face, or not even a, a smirk, a look of resignation, but it's like, quote, poignant and thought-provoking, Image Comics 2022. It's just like, I'm just a person. I'm not a genius, you know? Right. I mean, it's sort of this disconnect where she's been told by executives at Image that she probably represents the future of comics. And then, of course, the way she actually feels is she's just this kid, drunk and sitting on the toilet. She's really good at self-deprecating and undercutting herself. And her life is, is a mess, right? She has this tryst with this other comics creator. And, you know, it, it seems like it's going really well. And then her depression rears its head again. And she realizes, you know, that this guy is still hung up on his ex. And that she is, again, just a side character. And you, you follow Zoe as she goes through these, like, exhilarating highs and these moments of just incredible uncertainty, these cringe moments, and the self-loathing that follows. She doesn't shy away from like these incredibly embarrassing moments. Like for instance, I just mentioned the failed tryst she had with this, which it wasn't failed, but you know, the tryst she had with this with this guy and how it well, really there, and, and more important, there's so much build up to the moment of this will she right. or won't she? Will she go see him? Right, you know, riling herself up with her best friend to go, right? Yamping herself up. Yeah, yeah. And then she finally does. And it feels great. It's it's a great moment. They're really getting along. And then she realizes that he's actually hung up on somebody else. It was then that Zoe realized she was not the protagonist of her own rom-com. She was a teachable moment. And, you know, I just thought, I mean, it's just such a crushing moment for her. I think we've all had a dark moment. But have we truly, like, interrogated the ins and the outs of everything kind of leading into it and our own anxieties and our interactions with people. And this book rang true to a moment in my very early 20s where I went through a lot. I mean, not quite parallel, but there are a lot of parallels. So you couldn't help but, or I couldn't help but see myself in the book. And it's just, it just made a powerful connection, you know? And I, I think anyone just to jump ahead to kind of my next to last question with, without ending the episode is who would you recommend this book to is people who have gone through shit. And this is a good interrogation of what it's like to go through shit in your twenties when everything's in front of you, maybe a lot of great stuff is behind you, but you know, the inferiority complex, the insecurity, the failed loves, the, the depression, the anxieties that are crippling at times. Again, I'm past that moment in my life and, you know, I've got my own like midlife crisis shit going on right now. But, you know, if I want to read that, I'll read Adrian Tomine. So like, but oh, to be in my 20s and to have the world in front of you, but to remember that the grass wasn't always greener. So as we pick this book up and she mentions 
while she's creating a only at the center of the earth, she's also working on another book called Rain. So I did pick up Rain and I decided to read it. And Rain is a graphic novel adaptation of some, you know, YA, sci-fi, apocalyptic kind of book. Yeah, you know Joe and Hill is Stephen King's son, right? I did not know that. No. Nah, um, the more you know. Here's what I say. The, the, the more you know. The the premise of the book is interesting. And, you know, I read the, the intros and the forewords. And then I got into the book. And it was fine. Like, I couldn't finish it. I didn't want to finish it. Maybe because it wasn't as deeply personal. And the artist is the same. But there was a clear disconnect between the art and the story. And maybe it's because you went, like, you know, two for two, you know, writer-artist combo to kind of her... And again... The talent and the skill is there, but it's, it felt like a paid job, you know? And that's, it's kind of like the same way I feel about Jean Yang when you write something that's not personal, or, or maybe it's just like when she's not writing and drawing her own material. So she's not sequential arting against her own script, against her own storyboard. And it just, again, not to throw shade at Rain, can you throw shade at Rain? I don't know, <laughs> but it's, I don't know, it was fine. It wasn't great. It wasn't even really good. It was just kind of like, it's fine. Here's a comic book about an apocalyptic story. You know, I think Thorough Good has mentioned, and I can't remember if it was in an interview or if it was in It's Lonely at the Center of the Earth, where there are times where she's working on stuff and she doesn't feel particularly connected to it. And I kind of wonder if, you know, Rain is, is that. Oh, the other thing, you know, I guess the other thing is, you know, Thorough Good's art, I think she's, she's mentioned it's her way of communicating right it's her way of interacting with the rest of the world of observing the world and communicating what she sees and kind of going back to billy scott it made me realize how awful billy scott's fate would be because if billy is a version of zoe when she says it is the importance of art for Billy is that this is the way she deals with whatever demons are inside of her, a way to keep them at bay, a way to interact with the world. And if she goes blind, you kind of take that ability away. And so where does that leave her? That leaves her kind of like with no way out, no way to really communicate. I mean, it's not just I've lost a sense. It's I've lost every means of coping that I have. And so actually reading It's Lonely at the oh, Center but, but, of the Earth but, but kind that, of raised the stakes. But, that, but that's the premise and the lesson. Again, that the happy ending of Impending Blindness of Billy Scott is, you know, your art is, you are an artist. I think her girlfriend tells her this. You are an artist, not because of your sight, right? You will always be an artist. You will find another way to express yourself. But again, to your, to, I think where you're going was It's Lonely at the Center of the Earth kind of interrogates and, and scratches deeper at the darker itch, the darker urging of the well, world I can't. I think there's sort of a confession that in It's Lonely at the Center of the Earth that what happens in Billy Scott is wish fulfillment. It is very much a fantasy. You know, human connection isn't enough to stave off depression like it seemed to do in, in Billy Scott. So we, we talked at the top of this episode, Ryan, about how you kind of need to read these two books as compendiums. But my question is, like, do you like because, you know, it, you could read the first one and not enjoy it as much. And 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 again, the, the critics fawned over it, to be clear. Right. So there's a chance that pop culture really enjoys how different and how optimistic impending blindness of Billy Scott is. But I'd make the argument of 
guys like you and I can can we just skip to the end and recommend it's only at the center of the earth and just read that alone? Like for example, my best friend was visiting, and every time he visits, I always leave a comic out of something usually that we've been reading on this podcast for him to read because he's a fellow comic reader. Baroon, he's been on the podcast, and I didn't leave impending blindness and Billy Scott out because he only had one night to read it. And so, you know, I only left it only at the center of the earth. And I should have asked for his impressions, you know, before he left the next morning. But I don't, do you need to read both? I guess is my question. I think so. I, I really do think you need to read both. I mean, she literally, she, she kind of directly addresses, you know, Billy Scott. You know what? That, I mean, look, this is an autobiography. Billy Scott is her first work, right? So it's what put her on the map. So you really can't appreciate her autobiography if you're also if you don't you know if you're not familiar with her her first book so you know would you you get a lot more out of center of the earth if you read billy scott and i think that if you don't read billy scott you're going to be missing you're going to be missing a large part of her of her creative life but i i mean i i I will i will acknowledge i don't think i you know I, i alone i would not read billy scott i would not recommend billy scott but Seeing that it was, you know, it, it it's sort of like, you know, seeing how frequently referenced it is in Center of the Earth, I, I think it's kind of necessary. What do you think? I I think you can get, I mean, it's a damn shame if you've discovered, you know, clearly a ton of people discovered Impending Blindness of Billy Scott before it's Loney of the Center of the Earth ever even existed, right? So there was a lot of value in it. But I make the argument, if you just know that she's, you know, a young, talented artist, the future of comics, there's so much hype around her, and her first book was great. Without, without knowing kind of the overarching like story of optimism, et cetera, and the blindness metaphor, I think you can you can get by on just knowing the crushing pressure of expectations. It's kind of what informs mm. it's lonely at the center of the earth. Uh, and you'll be fine. So I honestly, if you only have time to read one, if you can only get one, I think you could get away. I would almost only recommend it's lonely at the center of the earth. But if you want a more literal journey... And you want to start there before shit gets weird. You know, it's like, listen to the first Beatles album before you listen to the last one. Yeah, I hear you. I'm, it's, it, it's Lonely at the Center of the Earth is a standalone, right? I mean, there's so much more to it than just, like, you know, her working through Billy Scott. It's just that Billy Scott was this sort of, like, it's this high point of her career. It's where she kind of first gets published, first gets noticed. And what's interesting afterwards is that... She's still depressed. She's still kind of struggling. <laughs> yeah. And so despite all of that success, all of the people heralding her talent, she's still wrestling with her demons and she's still suicidal. And which is why I think, you know, it's lonely at the center of the earth is so, is so important. It's her wrestling with her depression, her trying to kind of like get on with her life. Even after, you know, having this, the success at a very young age. So Ryan, I, I got to ask, would you recommend this book to someone? Yeah, of course. Oh, totally. Yeah. I, yeah, I loved, I love this book. Um, unless and you I know, feel really I know, insecure about what the fuck have you accomplished? <laughs> I know. Right. Well, I mean, and I, and I'm pretty sure you would as well. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, everyone likes to look back at, at your twenties as this amazing, awesome moment as we live through the pain of middle age but the reality is, man, that shit was hard. Like, the te- I don't romanticize my teen years and my 20s. I enjoyed it for what it was. But that shit was hard. And that that's kind of what these books kind of prove out to me. Even if you have success, it's 
it's still hard because in a way it just kind of creates a whole new set of problems that you're, you know, you have to kind of deal with and a whole new, as you mentioned earlier, a whole new set of expectations that are, are kind of crushing her. All of the praise, all of the accolades actually make her feel even more like insecure because now she, as you said earlier, she has to live up to it. Well, and it's about, you know, there's a kind of cliche of it gets better. It does, but that's if you survive it. And there's some dark shit right around every corner. And we all have it, some more than others. But like, I hate to say it, life's about surviving and moving on to the next thing. It does get better, but you have to survive it. And you have to you have to get through the shit and the muck and the mire. This is actually an episode that if I didn't have COVID, I kind of wish I had an edible before we started talking about it. So. I, You know what? It's actually not a... I've had edibles dude you were all you were awesome on that one episode where you were self-conscious about it was that was that bone it was probably bone no it wasn't bone it was it was the the aronofsky one the 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 guy who did dune it was that one oh yeah jodorowsky no 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 that was he no no it was yeah when we did the oh no mobius yeah well no i was also i I was also high on bone and i was also high when we did the jim lee's x-men no, I was high right. when we did. I was high when we. Uh, what was the Jonathan Hickman X? Jonathan Hickman's X Men, Bone. Jonathan <laughs> Hickman's X Men, and yes, and uh, Mobius's Dune. Mobius's Garden of Adina, I think. I, I think pot would be better for this podcast than whiskey. You can leave that part in. It's bad because you just you know you don't you just start rambling and then you start lo- and then you lose your train of thought. You're like, that's you, what podcasts you, are, baby. That's what you want to so. be inside someone's head. Yeah, I guess so. I wish I was just more intelligent about this one because I think she does a lot of really interesting stuff. There's a lot of like linked up linked symbols, I feel, not all of which I've been able to figure out. I just love like how how it's just nonlinear, how it kind of Did you read this? Did you read both of these on your tablet? No, I have I have the actual cop hard copy of it's Lonely at the Center of the Earth. Yeah. And then I yeah, read the this other is one this is one I'm genuinely considering buying. Like this is one that belongs on my bookshelf. Yeah, this one it actually I feel like works a lot better as as a for whatever like for whatever reason, as a physical artifact. And maybe it's because a lot of the comic is so self-referential. It kind of knows it's a comic. And so the fact that you are actually holding it as a physical comic rather than, you know, swiping through it on your tablet, you know, makes all of those decisions feel more impactful and meaningful. That's a theory. I don't know if it's true. Well, it was rated one of Forbes' best graphic novels of 2022. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, I think, lives up to that. And uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I think, you know, Z- Thoroughgood is probably one of the most distinct voices out there. And I don't really, I'm trying to think of other like young artists whose voices are really distinct and this distinct I, you know what actually michael laforge i feel who we mm. we reviewed mm. uh he's he's one but he's been he's been at it for a while i'm sure there are actually a, a ton of others and i'm just pretty illiterate but <laughs> you know that's what happens when you're 40 and you know you have a you have a day job i can't i'm not as steep to this stuff as i used to be ryan i have one more question What's that question, Roman? What are we reading next week? We're going to read Time Zone J by the indie cartoonist Julie Doucette. She was an indie comics creator in the 80s and 90s. She quit in the 90s. And so this is her first comic since she quit. This is her first comic in like 30 friggin' years. You know, Doucette was sort of like a mainstay in the indie comic scene in the 80s and 90s. And, and so I'm actually really excited, you know, to see, to see her big comeback. And that's what we're going to talk about 
next week. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Be sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See lots of pretty pictures of the books we read at qtdcomics.com. And since we're sure no one's listening, prove us otherwise. Shoot an email over to say what I got right and what Ryan got wrong. qtdcomics at gmail.com. Give you a social media handle, but we're old and that feels like too much work. I'm Roman Segel. And I am and have always been Ryan Joe.